time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story Welcome to Don't Burn the Sacred Text, where if it's not canon, it doesn't count. Of course, we're kidding, as always, because we love all Star Wars fans. EU fans, welcome. Legends fans, that's the same thing. But you're doubly welcome to this episode, apparently. (laughs) New canon fans, everybody. So, truth be told, uh, this is the second episode we're recording uh, today. We recorded Canto Bite a little bit earlier, and we're recording for Tarkin now. um, Because we wanted to try to get these episodes out, because we're playing catch-up. So, yeah, that was a very awkward introduction. But hey, what else is new? I'm not good at introductions <laughs> at all. So, Lindsay, do a better introduction than me. How are you? You know, hello, everyone. Um, this is your co-host, Lindsay, here. And I'm not much better with introductions <laughs> either. But like Brandon said, everyone's welcome. We're happy to have you here. This is the second show we're recording today because that's just how much we love you guys. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because, like, I'm a major introvert. And I've noticed, like, when I go out with, you know, my girlfriend or whatever, we go with other people, I, like, have nothing to talk to them about if they don't know about Star Wars or want to listen to what's going on in my classroom. It's so pathetic. (laughs) And I'm a terrible conversation starter anyway, so I'm like, all right, I'm just going to sit here. This is great. All right, fun. Can I go home and read my book now? I'm so bad. (laughs) You should just take the book with you. Oh, I do. (laughs) When they're all in the middle of a conversation, just whip it out and start reading. I I don't go anywhere without a book. Uh, Because here's the thing. Every time I go somewhere without a book, I need a book. But every time I bring my book, I never have time to read my book. Yes. It's so easy. I have the same same problem. I just don't do anything about it other than (laughs) complain about it. Well, like, it was, like, over Christmas break or something, we went to, my girlfriend and her mom and I went to Old Navy, and they went to go try clothes on, and so it took, like, half an hour, and my book was out in the car, and I hadn't brought it in, and I was like, why did I not bring it in? So my phone was dying, I literally had nothing to do but sit there at Old Navy, and it wasn't even, like, it's not like Walmart where you can really people watch and feel better about yourself, it's Old Navy, like. No, you are stuck there. It was it was rough. So since then, I learned my lesson. I carry my book everywhere. Uh, and good move. Yeah, you, I have to. So, like I said, we're talking about Tarkin. We don't really have any like pre book talk to talk about. Um, where this will come out after at least the next two episodes of Rebels, maybe all of Rebels, depending on how things go. Um, so stay tuned. I'm we're gonna have some kind of episode talking about Rebels. Uh, here in the near future and and kind of the wrap-up of that. But we're going to jump into Tarkin. And, Lindsay, what were your overall impressions of this book? You know, I always forget how much I like this book. It just, I think because it came out so early when we kind of reset the canon, it just slips my mind. And I went back and I reread it this week to prep for this. And I said that the whole time. I was like, I really forgot how much I enjoyed this. But it is... It's really good. It's a lot of fun seeing where they went with the new canon and all of the risks that they're taking. 
it now feels like they played it very safe, but it's still good. It's still really enjoyable. Yeah, I agree. And it's so funny because, so this is the third time that I've read it. Uh, and I have had trouble with James Lucino's books in the past because sometimes I feel like his word choice is a little too highfalutin, if you will. Uh, makes me sound really stupid. But sometimes I just feel like he uses big words just to use big words and not really for any sort of impact. And so when I go into a new James Lucino book, I kind of go in apprehensively. And every single time he just shuts me down. And he's like, yeah, you were wrong about me. Because this book is fantastic. And it's funny because I read it. I, so I read it when it first came out. And then probably like, I don't know, eight months later. And then I haven't read it since then. And the parts that I always remember are the parts about him in the, the Carrion Plateau and the Carrion Spike. But I never remember the stuff with him and Vader. And so for this go-round, I really focused on the stuff with him and Vader. And it was really, really intriguing to just kind of see the dynamic of he has a clue that it's Anakin Skywalker, but he's not 100% sure it's Anakin Skywalker. So he kind of hints to him that he knows who he is. It just the the push and pull, the give and take of those two is really intriguing because you know in a new hope it's not very clear who is ranked above the other one. No, it's not. And I I mean I knew because we're younger and we got the chance to see all three of them together and we had pop culture kind of spoil certain things by the time we got around to watching Star Wars. But I would imagine that if I were there in 1977 watching it for the first time, I wouldn't know who was in charge. I would. I really do think I would be under the impression that Tarkin was Vader's boss. Yeah, I agree completely. And yeah. so, and now it now it makes sense why that relationship plays the way it does. Well, and you know, it's really interesting that it was Tarkin that they chose to really focus on at first because. I mean, really, it would have been easy to leave Tarkin just in A New Hope. And there he is. He's the the bad guy who's trying to kill Princess Leia and gets blown up in their moment of triumph. But they've, they've gone back and added to his story. And now watching A New Hope and even watching... Uh, I feel like this book adds a lot to his character in Rogue One. More than even A New Hope. Yes. Because he's... Yes. And, and it was interesting because when I... I read this book and, you know, he's he's on Sentinel base uh, working on the Death Star. And then I went and read Catalyst, you know, when it came out. And I really had a problem with Catalyst because I felt like that it wasn't staying true It overwrites to this, right? Yeah. Yeah. But now I go back and I don't, I really don't think that's true. Um, I think it's a very messy situation for sure about, you know, who's running what in the Death Star. It's obviously, we know because of Attack of the Clones, it's not Tarkin's idea to think of, um, think of it, but it definitely is in his nature to be a little self-important and think that, you know, it's all because of him that, that the Death Star succeeds. And I like that it was, it was under the surface, but it never was the main focus. It would have been really, really easy to turn this into a story about Tarkin and the Death Star. And the fact that they didn't do that, I thought was a really smart choice. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's a really big testament to James Lucino, too, because 
I kind of struggle pretty often, to be honest, with military type books. I just, I, I don't know the rankings well enough, first of all. So when they bring in these characters and it's commander, lieutenant, ensign, I don't know where people fall. So it takes me a while to wrap my head around who certain characters are. And then once we really get into it, for some reason, I have a lot of trouble picturing, especially space battles, but I have trouble picturing battle scenes sometimes. It's just there's so much going on. And it takes a little bit for me to catch up and for me to stay in those moments. But what Lucino does, he does so well. He makes everything very clear and he lets you focus on the other parts of the story. So we don't necessarily have to worry so much about the Death Star or these big battle scenes and these big set pieces. And instead we get to focus so much on who Tarkin is and why he's that way and what his relationship with Vader is. I really enjoy it. Yeah, I agree with you. The the space battles, I have a lot of trouble uh, envisioning. The one thing I really struggle with, and I've been trying to get better about going on Wikipedia when the characters are introduced, but envisioning the aliens and remembering which species is which, uh, as when you have the mix of, I guess we'll call them the rebels, the crew of people who stole Car- Tarkin's ship, you have like three different species or four different species and it was hard for me to remember which one was which species. So yeah. those parts I really wasn't very compelled by. But I, I think Lucino did a great job of balancing just giving us enough of those characters to make you at least interested in them, make, made you feel like the stealing of the Carrion Spike was an important plot point. But they didn't. he didn't spend too much time where it was like, taking away from Tarkin, which was the main focus of this book. So, okay. So, I'm looking at pages four and five of the paperback version, and there is this memoir that comes from, and it says, I'm just, I'm just going to read it right here. It says, in the memoir that was published years after his incendiary death, Tarkin wrote, is, th- this made me wonder, did somebody write a, Tarkin memoir from his point of view post-death and like make it seem like it was from make it seem like it was his hand it it made me think a lot of like this is ridiculous but like Tupac coming out with post you know death albums did Tarkin do the same thing what are your thoughts on that what do you I mean, I took it really just to mean that he is someone who knew he was going to end up in a prominent location. So I would imagine him as being the type of person who would go home every night and do some kind of self-recording. Not necessarily a journal, but really the preemptive strike for when he does write his memoirs. And someone probably uncovered that. Um, I'm not sure. Do you watch Mad Men? I don't, no. There's there's a character in Mad Men who one day, you know, the main character goes into his office and he finds these tapes. And it's this other character would go in and record himself on tape, just recounting his time in the war, so that this way when he decided to write a memoir, he could go back and just listen to his tapes and write everything down. So I kind of took it as one of those situations. That makes a lot of sense. I think the, the line that kind of got me was, 
my only regret was not employing a firmer hand in bringing the, proje the project, which of course is the Death Star, to fruition in time to frustrate the actions of those determined to thwart the Emperor's noble designs. Fear of the station, fear of Imperial might would have provided the necessary deterrent. And for some reason, when I first read that, I was thinking it meant the blowing up of the Death Star. I don't know why I took it that way. Uh, but now, you know, talking about it with you, maybe it, it, it seems more like a foreshadowing type line that Lucino threw in there um, for for us to, you know, realize, for us to know, but Tarkin and not know, I guess, is the, is the best way to put it. Yeah. So, right. I don't know. It is a weird line, though. It, it is. And, you know, it's, it's one of those, like, not metacognitive. That's not the word that I'm looking for. It's, it's like an allusion to the story that we already know. Um, and, and I think it's really interesting because I, I don't know why, but I like, I like thinking about, like, what would have happened if the Death Star had actually lasted? Would they have, what if, you know, Galen Erso hadn't put that, Port, or not exhaust port in the in the Death Star, you know mm -hmm. what happens to the galaxy after that? It's interesting to me. I don't know. The one, the other thing that I really like is that, and, and this stood out to me more than anything. Lucino is perfect at writing Sidious. Absolutely perfect. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah, and that is not an easy character to write because we don't really have a lot to go off of on him. And he gets everything perfect, I think. Yeah, he, I mean, and, and you can go to back to Darth Plagueis. He writes him perfectly mm -hmm. in there. Um, and, and At any age. Even in, even in Tarkin, when they do the flashbacks to when he was still the senator for Naboo, he just gets inside his head and he gets the way he says things so well. It reminds me very much of, how Claudia Gray gets Princess Leia. There's just, for some reason, there's some writers that are able to just write the character exactly as we see them on screen, and I feel like he's able to do that with Sidious. I felt, the the one thing I did feel like he struggled with is writing Vader, though. Uh, Vader, there were a few lines, well, twice he went with the you have failed me uh, for the last time illusion, which fell flat for me completely. I just feel like he was not very good at writing Vader to be the ominous character that he is. His his lines didn't seem to have much weight, and I didn't feel like he really knew how to put him in the right situations. Like there was one scene where Tarkin found him and he was working on the his his ship, and that felt very Anakin Skywalker and not very Darth Vader to me for some reason. And I, I just had never really envisioned Vader holding on to that part of Anakin. I don't know why. You know, I agree for me. I had originally chalked it up to the fact that this is Vader in a time period. We hadn't seen him yet. So I let it slide. Be And I did think the same thing when I first read it for sure. But I let it slide because I was like, you know, he's still kind of transitioning into Darth Vader. Maybe that's it. But now, after seeing, you know, Rebels and reading the new run of the Vader comic, it really fell flat for me this past week when I reread it. Because I was like, now I know who he was at that time. Now I have such a better understanding of how Anakin transitioned into Vader. And this just isn't it. This doesn't fit into that. 
Yeah, it felt very much like someone playing dress up as Vader instead of actually being Vader. Uh, Maybe it it could have been too that most of the time when we see Vader, especially in this time period, it's through the eyes of someone who really fears him. Whereas Tarkin doesn't fear him. He doesn't, you know, I think he has this almost begrudging respect for him, but we aren't being shown Vader through the eyes of someone who's worried in any way. So maybe that could be it even. Yeah, that would, and I'll I'll be interested to see once, uh, I think it's called Alliances. The, the next Thrawn book that comes Mm -hmm. out is going to obviously feature Vader a lot because he's on the cover with Thrawn. And I'll, I'll be really intrigued to, to see how Thrawn handles Vader compared to how Tarkin handles Vader or reacts to him, I guess would be the better word. Because I see a lot of connections in the the character archetype of Thrawn and Tarkin. They're very much like forged from a very, I guess, rough childhood. I feel like Tarkin or uh, Thrawn had a very rough yeah. childhood too. Thrawn and, was, yeah. You know, and they and they turned it into ruling by fear. And I I thought it was really interesting. The thing that stood out to me more than anything, uh, this read-through, was how they, how Lucino used that idea of fear that Tarkin talks about in A New Hope in the very first, I think it's, if I'm cor- correct, it's the first time we see him, fear of this battle station will keep the local systems in line. Uh, he took that and expounded on it so naturally, whereas... A lot of times, I feel like authors that try to pull in stuff from, like, directly from one line that was on screen overplay their hand a lot. I felt like Lucino made it seem very natural that ruling by fear would be something that would appeal to Tarkin. Yeah, well, I think how I would phrase it is really he made it a major theme of the book, but it wasn't necessarily part of the plot. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it definitely isn't part of the plot, um, but he touches on it enough where it it adds some weight to that line when he walks in because now not only is he thinking about ruling by fear, but he is able to rule by fear. Um, mm-hmm. And I also I I like the fact that Tarkin is a character who, while he wants to rise in the ranks. That's not his main focus. A lot of, I would say the majority of Imperials, their focus is getting a promotion, basically. Tarkin, in his sick, twisted way, I think really thinks that he is what is best for the galaxy. Um, And that makes a, you know, Adam Driver said something uh, when the, I think it was The Force Awakens was coming out, that what makes Kylo Ren such a compelling villain is that he truly believes what he is doing is the right thing to do. And that that's what I thought about with Tarkin in this one. He really thinks what he's doing is the right thing to do. And it made it it made it really interesting to explore his character from that angle. It does. And I think I said this when we did our show right after The Last Jedi came out that one of the things I find so intriguing about Kylo Ren is he keeps you nervous because you're not really sure what he wants. And I think the same can then be said for Tarkin, too. He does think, you know, you're right, he does think this is what's best for the galaxy and he's what's best. But we know what he doesn't want. I don't know 
what he wants. And that always in any character makes me very nervous when I don't know what their motivation is. I don't know what's driving them. I don't know where they're going to stop. And with Tarkin, you have no idea where he's going to stop. Yeah. And, and that's really, really scary because we've seen him do things like blow up the communication tower um, in Rebels and blow up Scarif. Like there were a good amount of Imperial troops on Scarif. They may have evacuated Jetta, but there was a lot of Imperials on Scarab, and he just blew him to hell. Um, and, yeah. and that is very, very scary. And I like that, like I said earlier in the show, I really like that they are taking Tarkin and expanding him a little bit more. I hope that we get to see even more of him um, at some point. Not necessarily another like CGI of him, even though I really liked him in Rogue One, but I feel like because this book is so early in the rise of the Empire, like there's still a lot of talk of cleaning up the Separatists in this book. It's very, very early in the timeline. You could tell a lot of other stories with Tarkin. There is, and I would be really interested to know if, and maybe you have some insight here, I don't know, um, but when they wrote this, did they know that they were going to be bringing Thrawn back as a character? Um, we didn't, I know they certainly never announced it for like two years, but I found so many similarities between Tarkin and Thrawn. And my thought is maybe they didn't know they were going to bring him back, but they still wanted this Thrawn like character and they put a lot of that on Tarkin. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't really know. Tarkin was published in, what? I'm going to flip to the so publication date on 2013. It was published in twenty four. Copyrights twenty fourteen. Um, okay. So that would be roughly the time that Rebels was coming out. I think there there may have been just because animation takes so long. There there may have been some talk did, about yeah. Thrawn, but maybe there wasn't. They weren't one hundred percent sure if they were going to pull the trigger on it. And so as a backup, they kind of created this character. Um, I think that I think that's a really interesting point. And you know, I. I I really like that Tarkin is a thinking man. He wins with his intelligence and not just by, you know, pulling a blaster and shooting people. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I think by exploring that in this book, it makes how he deals with Leia in A New Hope more complex because he's not just doing it because he's a bad guy. He's very calculated. He's not just being petty and blowing up Alderaan just because he has the power to. Every single move he makes is chess. He's It's calculated. He knows every angle it could go. He doesn't just... I mean, we see it in the carry and spike. He spent days just watching the Vermox pattern and until he decided how to attack, where a lot of people who had been raised and forged through the fires that he had been forged through might have just gotten arrogant and jumped in and just cr- tried to kill everybody. But he set a plan, and he stuck to the plan. Uh, and, and we see that as he's rising up through the Empire. That was very, very cool to me. No, it is. And one of the... I think one of my big takeaways here that always sticks with me is how Sidious realized at such an early age how calculated he was and that maybe he had a different path set out for him. Um, you know, I thought that was 
really cool and something I wish they almost explored a little bit more of is how Sidious at the time being under the guise of Palpatine went, took this kid under his wing and really raised him up to where he needed to be to make sure the empire was successful. Yeah. It would be really cool to get like a, a Plagueis style story, but with Palpatine and Tarkin, Mm -hmm. that could be very compelling. Um, speaking of Sidious, one thing I forgot to say when, when we were talking about Sidious is I love that this book canonized as far as I know, it was the first mention in Canon, um, proper that, the Jedi temple was built on top of a Sith shrine and that slowly the dark side had been seeping up into the Jedi through generations upon generations. That was really, really cool. And if they ever go into like some kind of Knights of the old Republic time period, um, canon adaptation, I feel like that's something they could bring in and it would be very, very interesting. I've said multiple times, I want to see like a show on the beginning of the Jedi order and, maybe seeing them make that choice to put the, the the Jedi temple on top of this dark side shrine to kind of show that they've overcome that. And it just pollutes them from there going forward. What were your thoughts on that? Sure. I, I'm wondering if we're going to get any more of that in the, uh, last Jedi novelization. Oh, that could be really cool. I, I think, yeah, I think they could do, like, a. I haven't read any of the New Jedi Order stuff, and I know there's, at least as far as I'm concerned, there are mixed reactions to the New Jedi Order, but you could do, like, a 19-book series like that with Luke in between the two, in between Return of the Jedi and um, The Force Awakens' Last Jedi time Oh, period. definitely. Because, like, they, they do some of that with The Legends of Luke Skywalker, but I think there's a lot more that you can tell there. And to see him go to all those Jedi temples uh, would be cool. Because that's one of the things I really, really like about... And Rebels more open this up than anything. The fact that there's not just a Jedi temple. There are multiple Jedi temples. uh, Mm -hmm. Really makes a lot of sense to me. And I would actually really like it in a video game format. Because that's one thing that we did in um, Battlefront 2. Is go with Luke... As he's exploring, it wasn't a temple. It was just some different artifacts. But I would love a video game where we play as Luke and we go from temple to temple. I think that'd be awesome. That would be really cool. Um, Especially because you can just do such cool stuff uh, with the Jedi temples. And this is going to come out after uh, the week before Rebels. I don't know what we call those. What is it called? Like the the finale, the, the episodes before the finale. There's a, there's a name for the it. The penultimate. Thank you. The penultimate episodes of Rebels. So we know we're going back to the Jedi Temple on Lothal, and there's probably going to be some cool stuff there. But, yeah, you just... I don't know. I'm, I really dig the Force stuff and, and love hearing about that. And so the fact that they could come back to that. And it's it's cool. I think that's one of the really good things about this, the story group is that they're able to take those little nuggets and just stick it in there. Um, And I don't know whether it was Lucino's idea to have that part included in the book or whether story group told him, hey, we need you to just mention this or what. But I really like that there's that interconnectedness. And so another thing that I had a thought about as far as that goes about the interconnectedness. So in The Last Jedi, we have the hyperspace tracking, which we, Mm -hmm. of course, first heard about in Rogue One as Jin is going through uh, trying to find the Death Star plants. 
I really wonder if the stealing of the carrion spike is what caused the hyperspace tracking research to start. Because you start off hmm. with Vader tracking the ship through hyperspace based on the his meditation pod, and he has the connection to it. I wonder if in some way, shape, or form that motivated them eventually starting hyperspace tracking. I think that could be... That's headcanon for me. That's so that's a really cool thought. I never considered that, but I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes you're just like, oh yeah, why haven't I thought about doing this before? When when something happens out of the blue, you're like, that makes the most sense to do it that way. Why haven't I been doing it that way? And I just feel like that would be something that Tarkin, that could happen for Tarkin, that he was so focused on the Death Star and then maybe it's like, huh, I never thought about actually doing this as well. And maybe at some point they touch on him working on that project. And that's why Orson Krennic eventually takes more of a lead uh, in in the production of the Death Star because it is such an engineering project. And the hyperspace tracking would be much more of a military focused thing that I, I think Tarkin would be a natural at. That may, And I mean, there's more than enough room to tell that story, you know, and I think that's one of the great things about Tarkin is that it takes place so far ahead of A New Hope. So we still have all this time that we can play around with. Yeah. And it's, it's happening like right after the Separatists. And one thing that was really cool to me was the fact that we actually got to see the ruling council interacting with Sidious um, and how kind of those first days of the Empire... Um, really got going and how how he was ruling but still had people who thought they had some power, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, yeah. You know, because we get that line in A New Hope about, you know, the, the Senate has been disbanded and fear mm -hmm. will keep the local systems in line and, and stuff like that. But to actually get like a point A to come from to that point B was really interesting because you get to see kind of the almost ineptness. Like there was a, there was this level of ineptitude in the empire as far as the politics went, which just makes it seem more and more realistic that Sidious uh, would just continue to tighten his grip um, on the galaxy. Besides just being a jerk. Because yeah. A jerk. I mean, I think, I think one of my favorite characters actually is uh, Masamita. And seeing how that relationship can play out and what role exactly he has, that's something that I love in Tarkin. I love learning a little bit more about in the Aftermath trilogy. I wish that they expanded on that a little bit. Um, but even just to see how Tarkin reacts, not just how that council um, you know, kind of plays into Sidious, but how they play off of each other, too, is always fun to say. Yeah, it definitely was. And... If I remember correctly, in Plagueis, they talk about Massimeda being the only, like, politician or person in the Senate who knew about Palpatine being Sidious. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I really, I wonder now, like, with the new canon, did he know that before what happened in Revenge of the Sith? And he just accepted it because of what happened in Revenge of the Sith? Or was it something else? Because... I just read the Vader volume one where you see Masameda at this rally of 
lightsabers being burned. Um, they're storm or clone troopers are throwing lightsabers mm-hmm. into this pit being burned. So, yeah, I, I really like how they're bringing his character in more because it seems very natural um, to to have him there. And that the one thing I like about the one thing, yeah, this is the only thing I like about the original trilogy. Okay, get ready. The only thing I like about the original trilogy. Uh, no, I'm kidding, but. <laughs> I like that. As everyone turns this off. Right, yeah. So so the two people who are still listening. No, I love the original trilogy. But one thing I really appreciate about it is that it is such an intimate story that it allows for so many stories to happen around it. Um, yes. Like it, because we get Masameda, like you said, in the Aftermath books, but it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like, well, where was he during the original trilogy? It's just like, well, we never saw the Senate in the original trilogy, so we wouldn't have seen him. It seems right. very natural. Need him. Yep. Exactly. Oh. Um, and and I like that. If you can't tell, I'm saying I like that a lot for this episode, but I really like the Starkin book. But one thing that's, <laughs> that was really uh, intriguing to me is that Sidious is talking to Vader about wanting to focus on the plans of the Sith and not just the plans of the Empire. Like they needed to build up these other people for the empire to be able to function so that they could focus on air quotes, the things that really matter and having the look of look at Tarkin um, being that character. And then Masameda, as we were talking about before, he's kind of grooming these people to not necessarily take over the empire, but so that he doesn't have to be so heavy handed in the empire uh, because, because he talked about that uh, Sidious was thinking about that as far as, Plagueis is concerned that Plagueis would have been disgusted that Sidious was sitting listening to politicians squabbling and that uh, Plagueis the reason he was never able to fulfill the plans of the Sith was because he thought so short-sighted and single-mindedly about uh, his goals and not the galaxy as a whole no it's there's so much going on in it um I don't even know where to start, but no, you said it perfectly. I can't even add to it. Well, I mean, and, and this is one thing that Lucino does so well is he has such complex, deep stories. Um, you, I'm, I'm not, but he tells it in such a simple and approachable way. He does. But I, uh, what I was going to say is I'm, I'm not like a super quick reader. Um, and I find myself with Lucino books. I have to really, really slow down when I'm reading. Um, which is saying something because I'm not a super quick reader as is, but there, if you miss a single scene in there, you miss a lot. And Mm. I appreciate that because it's not a long book. I mean, the paperback version, let's see, these are, it's got this paperback version. It's like 300 300, pages, right? Yeah. It's 300 pages. It's not long at all, but a lot happens in those 300 pages. A lot goes on. And what's amazing to me is in those 300 pages, the parts that always stick out to me the most are the flashback parts. You know, like the present day missions that they go on and stuff like that. Like it's it's cool, it's fun, but seeing Tarkin's childhood and how he grew up and his relationship with, especially his uncle, like that to me is the big part of this book. Yeah, oh, I agree completely. Which it's funny because as I was reading it this time, I noticed that those parts are not as long as I thought they were. I really, for some reason, when I remembered this book from the first two times I read it, those are the parts that stand out. 
I really did yeah. forget all about. I mean, I knew somebody stole the ship, but I completely forgot about how how they stole it and how that got resolved and how it all fit together. But the stuff with the Carrion Plateau, yeah, really did stick out. And yeah. because because again, it's so different from one what we would expect and two what we what we've seen. Um, because you you assume in Star Wars that everybody kind of makes their weight in space battles and in an unnatural world. You know, you're, you're surrounded by all this technology and the force and everything. And just to have him out in the raw nature that was basically, you know, kill or be killed, really, like we've been saying, adds a lot to his character when you get to A New Hope in Rogue One. It, 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 to me, it worked very much the same way that Phasma did. You know, there were a lot of people complaining about oh, Phasma, and we'll get into this more as we get to the Phasma novel, which we're going to have a lot to talk about there. But the one thing the Phasma novel really did for me was it made me feel like what she did in The Force Awakens was much more natural. That she would have given up the... She would have taken down the shields of Starkiller Base to survive. And it's the same thing with Tarkin here. It's like, this is the history I never knew I needed of him. But it makes Mm -hmm. everything we see of him make so much more sense. It doesn't excuse any behavior, but it explains it. And that's what that's what I want when that, I get a background story. Yeah, that that's a very, very good way to put it. It's and and that's one thing that Lucino does really well, like we've been talking about, is with villains, is he makes you want to spend time with them, but he never apologizes for them. He never tries to make them the the forgivable villain, the you know, you know, the the not the anti-hero, but the villain that you feel bad for. Like you kind of feel bad for Vader now with the history that we have for him and just you see how manipulated he was. But Tarkin, he doesn't water him down. He he very much is like, yeah, this is it not a good dude, but here's why. Yeah, and like it's not like he came from, you know, when they described the relationship he has with his parents and his upbringing and how he even seems very kind to the servants in his household growing up. It's just that even then he was still so hardened and so matter of fact, so it makes sense that he grew up to be the person he did. Yeah, and I love the part where his uncle comes in to take him to the Carrion Plateau for the first time. And Tarkin's like, hold oh, and on he a goes and, gets and he goes and gets his camping gear. <laughs> I loved it so much. I was like, yes, that is exactly what he would do. Yeah. No, every uh. it just really makes sense. And like I said before, looking back on where the new canon has taken us since this book came out, it does seem like they played it really safe. And they were testing the waters for what people are going to be interested in and how they can tell certain stories. But this was a really compelling one and it really brings you in. Yeah. And it makes me really like you're talking about playing it safe going forward for them to not play it safe and bring Tarkin into the new Thrawn novel and have Thrawn and Vader and Tarkin all interacting. So good. Wouldn't that be great? I think, I, so think cool. I think they will. Because Tarkin is in the first Thrawn book. Is he? I'm I feel like he is. I don't know. I know that I know the big thing was that Thrawn had met Anakin Skywalker before. 
which will be interesting yeah. to see if he figures out that it's Vader is Anakin, um, which would a- add a lot to this book. Like the two people who have it figured out are Tarkin and Thrawn. Again, going back to Tarkin being a thinking man. Uh, but y- y- you're right. They definitely, they played it safe. They didn't really, there's no huge revelations in this book. Um, not even the, even the history of Tarkin is not a huge revelation. It's just, like I said, the history we never knew we needed because it makes a lot of sense for him. The one thing I remember when this book came out that really ruffled some feathers was it's the first time that we get Palpatine's name, uh, his first name, which, of course, is Sheev. So do you, oh, yeah. do you remember what you felt like when you first read that? I didn't really... It didn't really bother me, to be honest. It was one of those things where... I read it, I absorbed it, and then I was like, why are people upset about this? Because it's Star Wars fans. Of course they're upset yeah, about it. Yeah, they'll get upset about anything. Exactly. I I love it because, like, I like being able to write and call him Sheev sometimes. Just to, like, totally diminish how much of a jerk he is. Because he's, he's such a bully, and to be able to just, like, I don't know, shut him down like that, just call him by his first name, yeah, even though Tarkin's... Yeah, like, old Sheev. Or Palps. I love calling him Palps for some reason. I don't know. I, <laughs> the one thing that I really... And I, I think this is something that gets lost in the conversation with Kylo Ren. Is Star Wars is good at making bad guys just bad guys. Like, for A New Hope and Empire, for Vader is just a bad guy. Like, we get that more complexity from the prequels and Return of the Jedi. But Tarkin is just a bad person. Orson Krennic is just a bad person. Like, yeah. and I like that. I don't, Palpatine is just a bad person. I don't need every single villain to be Vader and to be the, 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 the villain who is trapped more than willing to be there. Um, and it would be so easy because Vader is such a huge character and there's such a rich history there to fall back on that. And the fact that they're not watering down these villains, I think is a very smart choice. It may be playing it safe, but it's smart. So unapologetic about it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and you know, being someone who teaches with star Wars, I appreciate it a lot because it allows me to like show my kids, like this is a villain. Like this is how we identify villains in storytelling. Um, and and I think that Star Wars has to stick with that. And I think that's one thing that they've done really well is stick to that history of archetypes and the hero's journey and the things that make fairy tales last for generations and generations is the characters and also just how they they are simple if you just look on, on them at the surface, but very complex if you want to dig deeper. And that's exactly what we get with Tarkin is he's a very simple, like, he's just a bad guy. But if you want to dig a little bit deeper, here's why. And that's what this whole book is about. And see, I like going off of that point. I like that they're doing it for the big guys. You know, I like that Tarkin is supposed to be this larger than life figure. And I think that's actually one of the lines in the book is about, you know, him needing to be larger than life. But they are taking the smaller guys and making them more well-rounded and more forgivable. You know, like, look at Lost Stars. They're willing to take those smaller officers and give them these crazy backstories and make them the gray area. But 
when you get to the very, very top, the good guys are the good guys and the bad guys are the bad guys. And that's it. Yeah, it definitely, it makes it seem very much more like our world. Um, it always reminds me of the scene from Clerks where they're talking about the Death Star. I, I don't like Clerks at all, <laughs> except for that one scene where he's like, there were just some regular construction workers on there. And Skywalker just blew them all to hell. It, it, it's, I like that they are digging deeper into that. And I don't know how much they did that in the expanded universe. Um, I know, you know, there were certain officers like Peleon who um, were around pretty often. But to get like, and we'll get to this when we get to Thrawn, but to get like a Eli Vanto who he's like there just because that's the way that he knows to make a paycheck, you know? Um, yeah. I think it, it, it allows for more complexity instead of it. The thing I always say about star Wars is it's very simple, but very complex. And what I mean by that is just like what I said with Tarkin. If you want it to just be a good versus evil story, it's right there for you. But if you want something that's a little bit more complex, it's right there for you also. Uh, and, and that I really, really appreciate. And I appreciate that we got this with Tarkin. And I, I want to close on this, uh, unless you have anything else to add. I really appreciate more than anything that while they're bringing in new authors for these books, like a Claudia Gray and Delilah Dawson and all these authors who have written fantastic books, that they're still bringing back the stalwarts of the expanded universe, like the James Lucinos and the John Jackson Millers, and that they're not just completely trying to forget about the history of where Star Wars comes from, but they're paying respect to that in more ways than just on the screen or on the page. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. They're growing it without, you know, killing the roots, basically. Yeah, exactly. Even though you have to let the past die. <laughs> Kill it if you have to. Yes. Uh, so do you have anything else to add for Tarkin? I think we've talked the heck out of it. It's such a good book. It really is. And it, I know that after this discussion in two weeks time, I'm probably going to forget how much I enjoyed it, but maybe a year from now we can revisit it and I'll remember again. Yeah. One thing I want to start doing and I'm really bad about it because I'm not good at listening to audiobooks, is I want to go through them in audiobook version because like I listened to the Thrawn novel in audiobook and it just, it in a weird way added a lot for me to the story. And I, I think the Tarkin book would too, just to kind of have the, the, the audiobooks of star Wars are so well produced with the sound effects and things that you get behind it. Um, that eventually I want to listen to to it on audiobook, and maybe we can talk about it after that. But if you guys want to talk yeah. to us about this book or any other book or any of our writings, anything like that, you can email us, clashingsaversnetwork at gmail.com. I've uh, got emails from a few people uh, who have given me some show ideas we're going to talk about on the main show. So if you have anything uh, in particular you want us to add to um, about this uh, on this show, uh, let us know any thoughts on the books or whatever, even if we're not on that book. We will hold on to your email and mention it uh, when we get to that novel. I think the next thing, uh, the next one that we'll come out with will probably be um, looking at the counter, probably the last Jedi novelization. We may get to air. We are days Jedi. away. I know. Yeah. So I don't know if we're going to be able to record uh, again before then. Um, if I'm going to be finished rereading Heir to the Jedi for the third time, because I don't know. I I'm. I, there's certain times I really hate being a completionist, and this is one of them. I'm really trying to like Heir to the Jedi more, so you can come back and see if my opinion of it changed. <laughs> um, 
but so heir to the jedi and last jedi novelization either way uh will be our next two episodes so get your thoughts to us on those you can like i said contact us clashing sabers network at gmail.com tweet us at clashing sabers Lindsay is at miss Lindsay g on the twitter and we need you guys to subscribe rate review the show um it, it's really fun when uh we get to interact with you wait wait speaking of ratings yes how many love cats do you give Tarkin? Oh, goodness gracious. We didn't I'm rate not, it. I'm yeah. not in the habit. Okay. Uh, Tarkin gets... Because there are other books that I like more that I know I'm going to give five love cats to, I'm going to give it four love cats. A solid four love cats. Yeah, I was... I'm going to do three and a half because I love the flashback stuff. There's some stuff I feel like I could drop. And overall, like I said a million times... You kind of forget about it. So I'll do three out of five. Or three, three out of point five. five. So a very good book is what we're trying to say. Uh, but yeah, so go rate us on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you get on. I'm going to be working on, uh, and I'm going to say this on air so that I actually work on it, but I want to get us on Spotify and all those other places that people are listening to podcasts. So if you have anywhere you want us to try to get our podcast where you listen to your podcast that we're not currently at, please message me and let me know. Uh, because there's so many places out there. I'm not really sure exactly uh, where you guys are listening to it at. So we're working on that. We'll get out to more people and hopefully have some of you guys interacting with us, reading your emails on the show. And until next time, keep turning the pages. But remember, don't burn the sacred text. All right, by this point, you know how this goes. Their stuff, their stuff. Our stuff, our stuff. Not associated with Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy, give me a call. Dave Filoni, I'm there if you need me. Our thoughts? They're our thoughts. They don't reflect Lucasfilm or anybody else associated with this stuff. So, if you don't like it, we're sorry. If you do like it, great. Let us know either way on iTunes, on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on. Rate us, review us, share us, tell your friends about us, and dadgummit, whatever you do, just don't burn the sacred text!